Recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin, this is the Crimson Cowl Comic Club Podcast. Do not resist. The fate of the planet may depend upon your knowledge. I'm Katie. I'm David. I'm Jim. And welcome to the Crimson Cowl Comic Club podcast. Uh, we meet every Saturday at 4 p.m. at the Crimson Cowl at our store in Barton, Wisconsin. Everyone is welcome to come in and join us while we talk about our club pick, share our favorite non-spoiler reviews, and talk the latest comic book news. So today, we're going to get started with Avengers No Surrender, uh, number 687, part 13 of 16. It is... By Mark Wade, Al Ewing, and Jim Zub. So, let's talk Avengers No Surrender. Come with us while we save the Earth. All right. Well, I'll kick off with their little uh, thing that they throw in the, the front of, of every one of them. The, uh, the Grandmaster and the Challenger stole the Earth to use as a cosmic playing board with the Lethal Legion and the Black Order serving as their chess pieces. Most of the world's heroes and villains were trapped in stasis to limit the number of designated obstacles, leaving behind only a handful of Avengers as the planet's last line of defense. With the title of Grandmaster on the line, the two competitors pulled out all the stops to secure the final pyramid, which would mark the winning point. The Challenger unleashed his resurrected Hulk, but the Grandmaster had the game rigged from the start. Voyager, the lost founding Avenger, who brought Earth's heroes so much hope, is his daughter and was using her false identity to tip the odds in her father's favor. Tired of doing the Grandmaster's bidding and intrigued by the Avengers, Voyager tried to keep the last pyramid away from both competitors, but a furious Hulk found it and smashed it in spite of his new master. In the mayhem that followed, the Grandmaster's gambit with Voyager was exposed, and the challenger didn't take the news of his opponent of his opponent's cheating well. So we uh, flip into this book, and we uh, see that this one, um, like each one of these issues, kind of gets narrated by a different character. And this time around, it is uh, Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp, um, and it kicks off with her seeing, you know, this, these fake fake memories that she had. Uh, that, that Voyager had implanted in all of the Avengers' minds are fading away. So, as uh, she put it, rather than saying, it's all coming back to me, it's the opposite. It just Voyager is fading from all these memories. Um, the Avengers aren't trusting Voyager anymore at this point. Uh, you can tell that they're all very upset with her for being played and finding out that, yes... Pun intended. Um, but uh, at the same time, I, I think they, they get the feeling that maybe she actually does want to help them now. And so they, they don't want to waste time. Um, so there's there's a lot of kind of discussion. Um, you, you go through basically um, recapping, you know, how she's the, uh, the Grandmaster's daughter and what's going on. And why she did what she did. Um, actually, uh, one thing of note with, with this book is while um, all of these issues have been just action-packed and whatever, this one 
Um, it's it's still you move through it uh, and it's good good pacing and everything. Um, but this one is is the one where you kind of get to take a, a little bit of a breath, mm -hmm. you know. Um, a little bit more character stuff. Yeah, there's there's a little bit more going on character wise. Um, it's not just uh, another battle. Um, this time everybody gets to kind of take a take a breather, regroup, and try to figure out what they're going to do mm -hmm. from here. I thought it was nice to uh, see Voyager get a little bit of growth and understanding because you know throughout a lot of the series we haven't had that. And um, now that we've had the big reveal that Valerie Vector was never an Avenger, Ooh. yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you, Kristen. <laughs> yeah, her, yeah, like uh, like the Wasp is saying, normally it's all coming back to me, but now it's all fading away, all these fake memories. So it was really good to um, you know, see a little bit more about her and see how the Avengers are going to react. And I like the payoff too that we saw a couple issues ago where she's watching the Avengers and is admiring, uh, you know, their bravery and noting how courageous they are, and now her channeling that and saying. I know you thought I was an Avenger, but now I would actually like to be one. Yeah. And, of course, a lot of uh, well-known, long-time Avengers started out as a villain. Um, Wonder Man was a villain. Vision, you know, was, was a villain, a tool um, created by Ultron to, to use against the Avengers. Um, Rogue started out on the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Um, you know, there's a lot of... Avengers characters that did start out on the other end. Um, so you, you really can see Voyager as uh, potentially being developed as one of those types of characters where, yeah, she was off to the wrong start, but, you know, perhaps it turns out well in the end. And um, you, you could actually see her as being a valued member mm -hmm. of the Avengers in the future, even though she wasn't really in their past. And it's not just her. This issue is, has other characters trying to re get redeemed and offered redemption as yeah, well. Sure. Right. Um, while Voyager is trying to explain things and and explain that she she really does want to truly help the Avengers, um, then you get a nice uh, you know moment between Jarvis, who's uh, not not completely back to full health, but he's he's back in there he's he's suited up <laughs> and uh um and he's he's back you know uh assisting the avengers as jarvis does um but realizes that bruce banner is not uh with the rest of the avengers and so jarvis goes and talks to him and he gives him um gives him kind of a, a pep talk you know uh reassures him that um that he's not, you know, he's not the monster and it's, you know, what, what he does and his actions um, that are important. But, but really it's a good talk about what the Avengers are and, and who they're avenging, why they are the Avengers. Um, and uh, if I can find where he actually says it, or is that, uh, it's a little bit later, mm -hmm. later on, but um, boy, there's, 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 there's that moment where it's talked about how uh, um, they've all, every member of the Avengers, mm -hmm. none of them are perfect. They've all done things, made mistakes, um, stood by when they should have taken action, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so what they're really avenging is themselves, you know, their, their, own, their own pasts, their own mistakes. 
This um, is a box that I like to panel. What matters is how mm -hmm. how hard you work to rise again. Right. That was a good one. And then Jarvis, and then he's, I beg you, Sarah, do not give up. Yeah, this was a really moving interlude between those two. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's a, a tear-shedding moment for uh, Bruce. Um, then we move over to the medical bay, um, and we see Vision, who, after the, the beating that he took from Hulk in the previous issue, um, I, I think there would be some real concern as to whether or not Vision is even salvageable, you know, when you mm. see his head flying apart like that. Um, but uh, uh, Tony's looking at him, and she, not Tony, not Stark. Um, Tony Hope? So don't want to confuse it. Is it what's her, what's her last name? Ho. I'm not sure if it's Ho or Who, but. Ho Who. Hoo ha. I don't. I am Patriot. <laughs> um, She's uh, she's taking a look at him, and you know, first it's okay. I give up. <laughs> Everybody's just, just kind of like, "What? You know, is that it? What does that mean?" Uh, and she explains that uh, he's with the technology and power that they have available right now. She's not able to do anything with him, but he's not in the condition he's he's in. He's not going to get any worse. But, but if she hurt. tries to save him. With the limited uh, resources that she has there, she could make it worse. So she decides to just put it on hold and not do anything with Vision. So for the time being, Vision is out of the picture. Um, and then we go into... A feeling of guilt and offer of redemption from mm -hmm. Lightning, who feels that it was his fault that he did not stop Hulk in time. Yeah, he's, he's blaming himself. If, if I were faster, if I were more powerful, if I were a real Avenger, you know, that, that kind of feeling. And Wonder Man, um, you know, it's his turn to give the pep talk. And uh, he, uh, you know, he reassures Lightning that he, he is an Avenger again, be, you know. Because, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it was all, if it was all about how powerful you were, whatever, you know, Hawkeye <laughs> would have been fired on the first day. Yeah, yeah. I like Tony's line. Someone's been reading the message boards. <laughs> uh, yeah, for all power was what made an Avenger. They'd have fired Hawkeye on the first day. I don't know if you've heard, but he shoots arrows. <laughs> Better clench up, Legolas. <laughs> so. Um, you know, and you can tell Lightning's, he's not instantly like, okay, I feel better now. But, you know, I think Wonder Man's doing what he can to get, get through to him and, and reassure him that he is, in fact, an Avenger. Um, but the conversation is cut short by uh, Quicksilver telling him to shut up. Because uh, <laughs> Quicksilver caught a glimpse of this little, little blue thing flying around, and he realizes that there's some sort of little blue whatever they are flying around so fast that he's having a, tr uh, you know, he's having a hard time seeing them and he's trying to figure out what they are. Um, but he realizes that it's, and he calls it a beacon. He sees it again and says, that beacon is keeping our fellow Avengers in stasis and realizes that there's actually something in there that's actually doing this to the, uh, the Avengers that are frozen right now. And he's another one that's feeling that he's has to earn his redemption back and, 
Mm-hmm. Um, Emily um, Synapse tells him that no, you don't. You, know, you, you did what you needed to do. But. Right, and and one of the things, and I mean, if you looked at Quicksilver's career, there could be all kinds yeah, of things yes. that he could be <laughs> trying to redeem himself for. Uh, but in this case, one of them is, you know, he had uh, not followed orders, not done what he was supposed to do, and, and she got injured as a result of that. Um, but she she says, you know, it's I don't blame you. You know, it's kind of like you did what you thought was right, and, uh, you know, let, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, then we get uh, Voyager, um, just kind of more so for those who aren't familiar with the elders of the universe, she kind of you know, explains briefly, you know, what they are, and um, um, how how powerful they are. Um, mentions her her father and how he can't resist a challenge or a challenger, which moves us over to the challenger. Um, and. Uh, kind of goes over talking about how the, the challenger had picked his team and the grandmaster had picked his team um, he, he picked um, the lethal legion and put that together because he thought it was a team that would you know he knew it would be underestimated um, and would would kind of make Voyager's place in there all that more important mm-hmm. to uh, his his role in the game. Um, and so then we find, you know, I, I, I kind of like this shot, you know, on this page mm-hmm. you have, um, you know, like when there's been atomic bombs and stuff like that, and you yeah. get the shadows kind of oh. burned into the walls yeah. of, uh, of, of some of these places mm-hmm. and you can still see those to this day. They're still there. And, uh, you actually got that in this panel and you can see that burned into the ground from, Grandmaster. Yeah, it's definitely really evocative. I um, looked at this twice and I didn't notice. I thought it was just this literal shadow, but if that is, you know, burned in, that would be a lot of power. One thing I'm kind of wondering is um, if this is going to tie in at all with what they're doing with Infinity Countdown. I had thought it would just be self-contained, but um, we're starting to talk more about the elders of the universe. Um, a couple of them have shown up in Infinity Countdown, so that will be interesting whether that is just running parallel or if it's going to tie in because uh, it's shaping up and do a lot. So uh, the Grandmaster is very unhappy. He says, You cheated me, and we gas with your daughter before either of us declared the victory, but I will never allow you to thwart me, not in life, not in death. I refuse to grant you even the dishonor. Our game will be completed. So. He is very upset and ready to do whatever it takes to win. He's not going to let this go. When we flip the page... Destroy the board and the game pieces. Yeah, and he does exactly that without delay. We are back on Earth, and uh, uh, we hear Beast saying, Oh, no, no, oh, people, we just skipped right over DEFCON 1. I don't even know what. And, um, well, we had the little rest we were talking about where uh, people were solving their problems, and Bruce was back, and... uh, we were trying to figure out what to do with Voyager, and, well, I hope they enjoyed their rest, because it looks like it is all over soon, and we have now really upped the stakes of this game. 
Action is back, all hands on mm -hmm. deck. <laughs> and Valerie is uh, trying to talk with her father, and the wasp says, I need you to focus. I don't care how you played us. I don't care what you wanted or what you did, but there are seven and a half billion people counting on the Avengers to keep them alive. You've said before that you've seen what an Avenger is, and now here's Voyager's chance to be the Avenger we all thought she was because we need her help. Before it's too late, the... Uh, game master has come, or no, excuse me, the Grand Challenge. Challenger? Right. I am mixing up my Elders of the Universe. It must be some of that Avengers fever left over. But we have Elders of the Universe here on Earth, and the planet is a pestilence upon the universe, he says. It is time for it to be purged. So, wow. That's a pretty big ending. So, uh, I am excited to see what is happening next on Wednesday. Like you said earlier, um, not as much action until the very end. Yeah. A lot more emotion, a lot more feeling, a lot more character. I think this was probably my favorite issue of the No Surrender um, series so far. Yeah. No, I could definitely see that. This uh, kind of this last quarter arc is really, I mean, hitting hard, I thought. And like you said, too, I thought this was going to be a little, you know, a come down from last week, which was such big action, and we thought the game was done. And, you know, we did quite a bit of that. And now, now this is just a whole new other level of game. It's playoff time. <laughs> so, yes. um, we always have our letter from the creative team in the back. And they actually said that uh, the idea for uh, a plant in the Avengers team was around pretty quickly. And they thank us all for coming along the ride with them. Um, a little tidbit I thought was neat is they were originally going to call her Legacy to go with the Marvel Legacy branding at the time, but decided um, that they wanted a more classic name uh, as well as to match the naming of the Elders of the Universe where the Elders' names match what they do. And with Voyager being a teleporter, that's how they came up with her name. She can take them on a voyage. She is someone who is a Voyager. So. Yeah, they kind of filled in the power that the original... Avengers are missing mm -hmm. and went from there. Yeah, and I'm wondering if that power uh, will be seen coming up in other issues and other team-ups of the Avengers because, yeah, it is something they don't always have and could probably use a lot. So, uh, Next week we are going to have issue number 688. That is 14 out of 16. And the tease is, as the final battle for Earth begins, one Avenger will sacrifice everything to give his teammates a fighting chance. So, podcast listeners... Mm -hmm. Come back and uh, check out in a week what happens next with the Avengers. Or, as always, everyone's welcome to come. Uh, sometimes we have a full group and sometimes we have a small group, but there's room for everyone's voice to be heard. You're welcome to speak on camera or you can just sit as a uh, spectator and enjoy it with us. So other um, club picks that we are reading are... Uh, Doomsday Clock, which is now coming out bi-monthly, and we've also selected Justice League No Justice to read and enjoy in the coming months. If anyone has any other thoughts on Avengers No Surrender? No, I think that about covers it for, for this week anyways. Alright, well, now I think we should go to the non-spoiler section. Welcome to the non-spoiler section where we go around the table once, twice, sometimes three times and talk about our favorite picks from the week from DC, Marvel, and independent titles. Today, starting out with um, Tinseltown from Alternal Comics by writer David Lucarelli and artist Henry Pon Ponciano, I'm guessing. 
Tinseltown is a story of a woman in the 1910s, 1920s who wants to be a police officer in Los Angeles, but is not, is denied all the opportunities. So she answers the ad to become an officer at Utopia Studios, which is a fictional look at one of the real-life studios, Universal Studios, which actually did have of women on their police force in starting in 1915. Um, this is a not-too-subtle you know, not, it's not very blatant, but it's not a, not a too subtle look at how sexism operated throughout the movie industry and entertainment industry for how many years, as we've been hearing in the news lately. Um, it's not overly blatant at this point, but um, it's definitely there. Something, you know, maybe instead of the um, velvet glove or iron fist, this is maybe... A fine leather glove treatment of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it actually, you know, when you think about that, it's it's actually, for that time period, there's there's two things it's really covering. First, Hollywood mm -hmm. and the sexism Hollywood, but also the sexism in, like, just, like, the police force uh, being, you know, an, an early or first female officer on a force um, in that time uh, whether it was in Hollywood or anywhere else, I can just imagine uh, would have been very difficult for anyone. Yes, um, without getting too much into how the story is covered, um, the job application or the job offering was listed as an audition mm -hmm. um, instead of a jo you know, job interview. And when she was hired, she was sent to wardrobe and the props department to get her uniform and equipment. <laughs> Um, and, um, just the dress, you know, showing women very modestly dressed, skirts down to the ankles or so, but then when she gets her uniform, it is approximately knee length, so show more cap, you know, so it's not the traditional dress that you'd expect the women, or apparently the women would be expected to wear, it's some, something showing off a little bit more skin for the day, you know, for that time period anyway, and... I thought it was interesting the the prologue letter that the writer um, wrote. Um, his mother was also a police officer in the 1980s, and she experienced much of the same things that he's writing about. So it's not <laughs> a huge change over the many many years in between. Yeah, and I, I follow his uh, Twitter account too, and he. Mentioned that on there as well, and I thought that was that was really interesting and cool that mm -hmm. he was uh, inspired by his his mom to, yeah. to to do this. I thought the uh, ending took it to a place that I was not expecting. Um, you know, given how much it was dealing with problems in the police force uh, in terms of how women are treated, I I really did not expect that ending. So I'm excited for the next issue. Um, it is issue number one in a five-issue limited series, as many uh, alternate titles are. So, and again, you know, I'm expecting a little bit of a turn at the yeah. next issue because you know this is on a movie studio lot after all. Oh yeah, that's a good <laughs> so, point. All right, the next title we're covering, I'm going to cover today, is 
Batman number 44. This is subtitled Something Old, Something New, and as, it's, could, as it sounds, it is a run-up to the wedding between Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle. And this is not much of a story advancing the, the Batman mythology or much of adventure. It is a shopping story. <laughs> Selina wakes up in the middle of the night and leaves Wayne Manor on a shopping trip. And she <laughs> breaks into a bridal shop and begins trying on dresses. And interspersed with all the different dresses she tries on are her memories of her relationship as Catwoman with Batman throughout the years. And you see, interesting enough, you know, all the different costumes that both Catwoman and Batman have worn over all the years, mm -hmm. and a little take at how the relationship has grown. And then, near the end, you do see the dress that she finally does pick, and she brings home and sticks them in her closet with a shh to Alfred <laughs> as she slips back into bed. And, um, you know, like I said, nothing, nothing drastically new happening. It's just, uh, it was an interesting look at all the costumes and the relationship between them that I've, that's happened over the years. So two things. Does it explain why she couldn't go dress shopping during the day? She's Catwoman. Oh, she has okay. to go break in. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. That's why, you know, not having read it, um, but before, uh, officially meeting, mm -hmm. I had asked, you know, did, did she pay for the dress? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which, uh, She could have dropped a credit card. Yeah. You know, they do show the tag, and the tag is, says $28,000. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Bruce can, can cover it, you know. <laughs> uh, speaking of Bruce, do they know each other's superhero identities, or? Yes. Okay, because otherwise that would be odd. They, in fact, at this point, uh, Superman, Lois Lane, and I think most of the Justice League know who she is as well. Wonder Woman, for sure. Mm -hmm. So. Very cool. And that's Batman number 44. All right. Well, I thought I'd bring to the table X-Men Gold number 25, which is part of the Cruel and Unusual storyline, um, which sees the X-Men Gold team locked up in jail. Um, this is written by uh, Mark Gungenheim. Um, and just uh, to, to give the update... Uh, Previously in X-Men Gold, after a misunderstanding with the NYPD, after a misunderstanding with the NYPD landed Kitty and the X-Men in jail, former X-Men, Rogue and Iceman, have rallied together an interim squad to protect humanity from the threats both old and new. Um, so it's kind of uh, kind of interesting because we get the X-Men Gold team, but um, in the same book, now we kind of get a a second X-Men team. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully this will not spin into yet another X-Men title. <laughs> we don't need that. X-Men uh, Chartreuse. <laughs> but, um, but it is interesting because you get kind of like this thrown together squad mm -hmm. of X-Men out there trying to cover things um, while the regular gold team is in jail. Mm -hmm. um, 
and the reason that they're in in jail um, is because they were kind of uh, manipulated um, and made it look as though, um, well, th things things happen that uh, were were kind of out of their control, and there's 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 people who want the X Men out of the picture, so uh, it, they ended up. Um, getting arrested and rather than fight back or whatever they willingly got got put in jail while um their lawyer jennifer walters um aka she hulk <laughs> is uh is working behind the scenes uh to to get them out but she said it's going to take time so they're dealing with things in jail they've got uh power dampener things around their necks and they get to run into old enemies and uh and stuff like that in there. Um, but, uh, of course, um, without giving too much away, I, I will say Storm, um, if you're familiar with that character, she has uh, claustrophobia, mm -hmm. a very bad case of claustrophobia, and she does find herself in solitary confinement. Oh, goodness. Um, we get uh, some other characters uh, making appearances, like Captain Britain and Megan. Um, and, um, one of the X-Men will be reunited with, uh, I, we'll call it an old friend. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, um, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of, you know, kind of interesting going, things going on in the storyline, but, uh, it all kind of culminates with, um, the return of, of a character that we just recently saw in um, a recent storyline in the same book from the Negative Zone, mm. um, who now comes to to Earth, and so both the X Men Gold team and this interim squad of X Men um, are going to have to come together somehow or another and defeat uh, uh, defeat this this new threat. So, that's what's going on in X-Men Gold. Alright, and the last book I've got today is Isola Number 1 from Image Comics. Um, written by Brendan Fletcher and Carl Kershaw. Um, with art by Carl Kershaw and Mazazic, I'm guessing. Yeah, one thing you can always count on <laughs> at the Crimson Cowl Comic Club is that we will butcher names. <laughs> but we try so hard. Yes. Uh, and then this, like I said, this is number one. Um, I believe this is an ongoing series. I don't think it's limited. Um, this is the story of a young soldier who is personal guard to a queen, Queen Owen who has been turned into a black tiger with green teal stripes. Gorgeous color, gorgeous mm, animal. That looks nice. um, and they are chased out of their own kingdom, and she needs to protect the queen until she can be turned back and return home. And they have hunters and other creatures that they need to avoid in order to protect her. And while she's doing her best and thinks she knows what to do to, in order to protect the queen. The queen cannot con communicate with her and often wants to go her own way. Um, it's a very interesting story. There's lots of adventure, and 
the art in this book is absolutely incredible. There's a center page oh, that wow. is just, That's you know, great. stunning. And then you go on from there. The color choices um, are very evocative of what the setting is, changing from a red palette to a greenish yellow palette to a blue palette, you know. Um, just as the setting changes, the colors change, and it's just very, you know, Stunning. <laughs> and I'm very much looking forward to how this plays out to the how how she's going to be able to continue continue to take care of the queen who seems to want to go her own way but won't tell her what to do. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Once again, that was Isola number one. Looking at it now, same thing as when I first saw the art uh, mm -hmm. from this and seeing that that tiger and that that color scheme, I. Um, Masters of the Universe fans will all look at this and think, uh, Cringer or Battle, Battle Cat. Cat. <laughs> it kind of, kind of those colors in a way only refer, well, the, the stripes in Battle Cat were, were yellow, but it's like you get the green in there and I can't help look at this without thinking it almost looks like somewhat of a negative version of, of that look. Um, but it's, it's done uh, really well. It's a kind of a cool look. And they show some other beasts, um, animals, that are very different than um, our real-world animals, but they also have a realistic feel to them. You know, they have tusks in strange places, but they're also where tusks could be. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Sounds like they are definitely uh, working on some world building there. Yes. Again. Very okay. cool. And now, the news. And okay, so yeah, I guess uh, we don't really no news. have any, <laughs> any big breaking news this week. Um, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, we might get a little bit of news for, for next week. Um, Fortunately, we have our own correspondent, Anthony. Yeah, we really should have thought this out and, and, and had, had him like phone in some some news he's uh anthony's down at c2e2 and uh yeah that would have been really great actually um, he can bring of, all the stuff back to us next week yeah so we'll uh we'll get the rundown of what uh what fun interesting things happen down there and of course any any kind of announcements or any new things um you know, C2E2, sometimes there will be something that's that's announced there. It's not going to be anything major like you get at, like, the San Diego Comic-Con or, or anything like that. But every once in a while, you'll you'll get some little tidbit. So, uh, you know, we, we might have something, um, something from that uh, next week. But, uh, yeah, not, not much, uh, not much going on out there this week, really. Um... Otherwise, uh, we've got uh, some some store stuff going on. Uh, by the time this is out there, uh, tonight's big shindig uh, will will be over and done with. Um, but uh, yeah, we're doing tonight. We're doing the the Hellboy Hellwater um, promotional thing that we're uh, doing at a local watering hole. Um, but next week we have another game night. Yeah, we, we will be playing Munchkin. The card-based role-playing game where it's a dungeon crawl with cards. 
very fun game. We played it. I played it again with some family a couple weeks ago, and we had a good time. So, looking forward to sharing it with other people. Yeah, and it's uh, you know what we'll do for game nights. A lot of times, uh, we'll have somebody will bring in their games. In this case, uh, Jim is you're bringing in Munchkin. Um, we've had uh, like Anthony. Our first game night, Anthony brought in uh, his Firefly game that he's got. Um, one of our uh, regular customers, Brad, he brought something in and did like a role-playing game uh, one week. So, um, you know, that's that's another thing that we we kind of offer here is you know if you got something that you want to play and you're looking for a place to play it, we've got uh, we've got the space to do it right here at the the very table that we record this podcast at. Um, you know, we're always happy to, to host a game night uh, where you can bring it in and we'll we'll try to invite some people and get some people in here to, to play it, um, depending on how many people show up or what else we've got going on. You know, I'll try to um, sit in and, and play the game or maybe Kurt will come in and play the game. Um, it's worked both ways. So um, We'll be getting started next week, uh, Saturday about 6 o'clock till 8 o'clock uh, as soon as we wrap up the podcast here. Yeah, yeah. We'll wrap it up and get right into playing a round of Munchkin. Fortunately, it's a very easy game to set up. <laughs> that, that's good because we have had like a Firefly. Firefly, <laughs> I think, took about as long as us to go yeah. through and set up and everything as it took for us to actually play it. Um you know, it was fun and we had a good time, but it was a little bit more complicated of a game, and we actually had like a pre-game night <laughs> practice um, once with that, where we kind of ran through a little bit of it so that we had an idea. And even then, when we did do the game night, we were like, "Wait a minute, how did we do this?" Um, but uh, but yeah, even that game, uh, as complicated as it was, it was fun yeah, it was. and we enjoyed uh, playing it. So even that one, we might have to come back and. Revisit that one before we completely forget how to play it. <laughs> this one is very will be very familiar to anybody who's ever played a fantasy role playing game. Um, you can pick it up on the fly. There's nothing serious to learn. The cards tell you everything you need need to know basically. So, fifteen minutes to twenty minutes to set up and explain everything that everybody's going to need to know. Yeah. Um. And we also, aside from those type of game nights, uh, we're also working on trying to set some other stuff up. Um, we've got people interested in doing like regular uh, like D&D stuff. Um, in fact, uh, I've got a new group of people uh, who are newer players to it. Um, my son, my oldest son is one of them and uh, a couple of people he knows. These are some younger people. Um, and they actually want to get into D&D, so you know, we're trying to work out doing some sort of uh, a startup um, D&D thing for new new players as well as uh, experienced players and possibly do a couple different nights uh, to cater to both types of groups. Um, so we've got that stuff going. Uh, other news, uh, in the works, we actually are putting a Lego club. Ooh together um so i'm sure we'll have more details on that as, as that develops but yeah we're going to have a lego club here which means uh, i gotta clean out this table here to display legos on um at, at some point 
Um, so hopefully within a couple of months here, we'll have that going. Well, very cool. So just remember, if you need to double check the dates or ask any questions about these events, you can find us at uh, Facebook at Crimson Cowell Comics and Collectibles. A uh, great way to get in contact is to call the store or message us through Facebook. So hopefully we'll see some of you next Saturday, uh, April 14th, to play Munchkin with us. Last thing we'll mention is we will be talking about our previews picks in the coming weeks. So the previews catalog comes at the store last week of the previous month. There's a big one from Diamond and then a smaller one each from Marvel and uh, Image Comics. And you can browse through that to find new uh, series, graphic novels, merchandise, and toys that you are interested in ordering. Uh, usually it is for about two months out. So for our April issue, uh, it is primarily containing merch that you can pick up in June. And as always, if there's something you don't see in the previews or you'd like to help us uh, work with you and find, please come in and uh, let us know what we can do for you. Yeah, uh, the previews catalogs are a little intimidating to, for people who are new to them. Um, so we're, we're also happy to give you kind of a rundown on how to easily maneuver through it. Um, and we've got people uh, like Anthony, for example, when he isn't at C2E2, um, he's... <laughs> He's around here, and he's really great at uh, helping people as well get through and see, you know, what's what's in there and ex explain that to him. So, um, if you've never gone through the previews before and you're interested in, in doing that and seeing what's coming up and what's available and out there, um, you know, by all means, you know, stop on in and uh, don't be afraid to ask questions. Uh, we're pretty easy to deal with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, we have long-time readers and we have brand new readers, and uh, every day is a great day to pick up a comic book. So if that's everything we'd like to talk about today. Yeah, I think that about covers it for this week. Well, fantastic. All this time, I've been Katie. I'm David. And I'm Jim. To be continued. Thanks for listening. The Crimson Cowl Comic Club is recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles at 1749 Barton Avenue in West Bend, Wisconsin. For more information, visit us online at www.crimsoncowl.com.